Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. But today I want to talk to you about a sermon uh, and, and as a result My hope from this message is that you have greater relationships from this message, that this message has the potential to transform your life. It has the the potential to transform your marriage, your home, your job relationships, and I want to talk to you about loving God better, loving God better so that we can have greater relationships, we can have greater influence, and we can have a greater impact on everywhere we go. So today I want to talk to you about Southwest Airlines and Olive Garden. Southwest Airlines and Olive Garden, and it will all make sense, baby. Um, Today, as we get started, I want to kind of take a little bit of a detour, which I shouldn't surprise any of you, because if you know me, I'm an ADD guy anyways, but I want to talk to you a little bit uh, about what love is, right? To steal a line from Forrest Gump, I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is, right? You know this, and um, we have a culture that wants to say, this is what love is. Is and, and I want us to understand something about love before we talk about love, and it's simply this: love always involves truth. Love always involves truth. When I say love always involves truth, I'm not talking about your truth, right? I'm talking about the truth. Like there's a difference between what you think is true and what is actually true. Some of you think Bigfoot is real. I have hunted for him with some fellas in this church. He's not there. Like I left with a greater doubt in my life that Bigfoot is real than when I did before. So I'm not talking about your truth. I'm talking about the truth. First John 4.8 says this, anyone who does not love doesn't know God. And check out the enormity of this statement. Because God is love. God is love. This world did not create love. In fact, the scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from above. If God created it, God gets to define it, right? And Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, not a truth, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So if Jesus is the truth then what does the word say concerning what love is, right? And here's what it says. You know this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. Love is patient and love is kind. I need to work on both of those a little bit more. Love's patient, parents. Hey, parents and mid-hires, I just got out of that. Love's patient, baby. And it's kind, It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, and it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, and here it is, but rejoices with the truth. It flourishes, actually, in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love rejoices 
in truth, with truth, and it says this, and it's not self-seeking, meaning it doesn't demand its own way. If you are demanding people love you a certain way, you are trying to manipulate an emotion instead of understanding what love actually hears. So here's what I want us to understand about love before we go forward, because many of us have a distorted and incorrect view of what love is. If love always involves truth, this means six things this morning. First thing is this, I can love you and disagree with you. I can love you and disagree with you. And here's the flip side of that. You can love me and disagree with me. See, I I love the point where I get to say, I can love you and disagree with you. I hate the point when I say, and you can love me and disagree with me. Right? It it doesn't mean that we're going to see everything the same way. Second point is this. I can love you without condoning your life, your choices, and your lifestyle. Right? This is a huge point. Just because I love you doesn't mean I condone your choices and your lifestyle and the way that you are living. Number three, I can love you and still say hard things to you because love flourishes in truth, right? So, so this is what this means, is that you and I have to speak truthful things in love because truth on its own is harsh, but love on its own is way too sloppy, right? And, but when we speak the truth in love, it has an impactful and transformational effect on our relationships and on our lives. Number four, love doesn't demand that everyone agrees with you. Love does demand truth, and truth has to be more definite than your feelings and what culture says is acceptable. Truth has to be grounded in God's word, not your emotions and not what culture is saying. Number five, love has no place for pretending and lies. And number six, I like this part a lot, love does the hard thing. Love does the hard thing. When my kids were younger. Um, everybody gave my kids junk food because we are a fairly healthy family. We've eaten healthy for a long time, and that means we didn't give our kids a ton of candy, a ton of cookies. A ton. In fact, um, here, here's, I'm going to be real transparent all day today. And some of you are like, when, aren't you not, when are you not transparent all day, every day? Um, when our kids would get Halloween candy, um, I just volunteered them to practice tithing and giving above their tithe of that Halloween candy, right? Like first 10% comes to the house, right? Like it comes to, comes to your father. Um, but a lot of times we would, we would throw away stuff. We, most of the time we would throw away stuff. And, and here's why. It's not because we didn't want to give them candy. We never had the chance because everybody else was, right? They'd get candy and junk all the time. The reason is we didn't want them to have diabetes by age seven. Like it was a, and so we did the hard thing of throwing something away, of keeping something that was, wasn't a bad thing, but too much of it could become a bad thing. And we did the hard thing because it was the right thing. That's what love does. Love doesn't always try to be liked. Love always chooses to do the best thing for the people involved. And sometimes that means it's not the popular thing, but it's the wise thing. And Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 10 says something that I love. It's one of my favorite verses on love, and it says this. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish, and you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, 
not sentimental gush. And my prayer is what Paul's prayer is here, that we would not just love much, but we would love really, really well. And that it wouldn't be sentimental, gushy, mush, but it would be with intention. So my prayer is that we would be like the church in Philippi and love well. A um, few, few weeks ago, there was some problems out Southwest Airlines. I don't know if you heard about it. Some of you experienced, I know three families that experienced it. Some of my friends, the Wines, experienced it. They were stuck in Orlando and had to drive a Honda Accord with their two children all the way from Orlando back to Tulsa. Um, that's a fun family memory. Um, also, I know the Nussbaums, they, they had a flight canceled, and I know the Burns had plans canceled as well. And here's what happened. Long story short, they have been using outdated computers, outway, outdated software program, outdated kind of infrastructure, and, and the reality is they thought they could get away with it, right? And they would just put it off and put it off. And the other truth is they did get away with it for a while, um, until everything came like crashing down operational-wise, not like the planes. The planes didn't like, you know, but um, the planes were grounded, and, and they couldn't get all these things, and they tried to blame it on something else. I love when people do that. Oh, it's the weather. No, it's not. This is happening for a week, right? You're in Orlando, Florida. It's not weather. It's not a blizzard down there. Anyways, and so they tried to blame it on something else when it was really the reality was the problem over here that they thought that they could get away with, and they did until they couldn't. And here's what I would tell you. Many times when we aren't loving Jesus the way he's called us to love him, can I tell you, it is, it, you may be able to get away with it for a while. You may be able to get away with not loving others for a while. But if you get away from it after a while, everything is going to crash and start to shut down. Your relationships are going to shut down. You're going to burn out when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And why is that? Because you got away from a fundamental requirement and commandment that God has called you and I to abide by. And, and this is what his word says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally important. This isn't like the silver medal, right? Like, I'm always like, silver medal is the first place loser. Um, this is Jesus saying, Jesus saying, no, 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 this is huge. This is just second, second is equally important as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. So today, here's what I want us to understand. Second point is don't get so busy doing that you forget to be. Don't get so busy doing that you forget to be. Luke chapter 10 contains a moment between two sisters, Mary and Martha. You know this story, but I want to read it to you anyways. Verse 38 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had, her, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Haven't you said a prayer like, get him, God? That's what she's doing. She's like, get him, Jesus. Like, like 
Tell them, show them how wrong they are. You have prayed this over your spouse. Don't lie. Um, you know, get them, Jesus, right? And, and Mary, here, here's what I want you to understand. It's Mary's idea to invite Jesus into her home. It's Mary's idea to, 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 to host a meal. It's Mary's idea, not Mary's, it's Martha, I mean, excuse me, it's Martha's idea to do all these things and to bring them in and to cook for them and to just be hospitable. And then Martha gets irritated because Mary ain't doing her part. And here's what happens. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And here's, I don't want us to miss this. When you say somebody's name twice, they are worked up. They're keyed. Martha is worked up. And Jesus does this, Martha, Martha, right? Like, hey, like Casey does this when I'm just coming in the door and I'm distracted and I'm like, hey, you guys want to go to a movie? Justin, Justin, they're doing homework. You are neutralizing and distracting like Jeff Wagner says you do all the time working, right? Like that's your spiritual gift. Stop it. Justin, Justin. Martha, Martha. He, she, he is getting her attention. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I love that. You're worried and upset about many things, but one thing's necessary. And Mary chose it, and she's choosing to live a better way. What did Martha do? She got so busy doing, and here's the problem. When we, she wasn't doing bad things. But she, it wasn't like she was going around lying or like she was committing adultery. No, no, no. She was, she was preparing a meal. She was hosting. She was being hospitable. And that's the trap. We can get so busy doing that if we forget to just be, we forget the reason we were doing in the first place. And Jesus is saying this, there's a better way for you to live, and it's learning to just be. And if I'm going to be honest today, this past year, I became Martha. I, I, we were building this building. There was so much to do. There's so much. I'm busy being a dad. I'm busy being a husband. All good things, right? All great things that somewhere along the line, I forgot to just be and just, just to learn once again, learn to just, God, I don't, I don't need your hands. I just need your heart. Right? And I got so, and it wasn't bad things. It wasn't, but I, if I'm not careful, and if you're not careful, you forget the moment that you stopped being, and you get burned out doing, and you get cranky, and you get grumpy, and you get upset, because you forgot to do this. You forgot to just simply be in his presence. I said, God, I don't, I don't need your hands. I don't need you to do one more thing. If you don't do one more thing, I just need this. I just need to be in your presence. I just need to be in your word. I just need to spend time in prayer. I just need to spend time in worship. I just need to spend time being quiet and listening to you. And if you guys don't learn, and if I don't learn to reset, and I'm having to learn this, this is somewhere, I'm guilty. I am a great Martha and a horrible Mary. Sounds like I'm confused on my gender, but I know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> I'm great at doing. But man, it's essential. If you're going to love Jesus 
like he commands you to love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, you've got to learn to be. You've got to learn to be. But here's, here's the other thing. The second thing about loving the Lord, because it's not just about sitting in his presence, right? Loving God isn't just praying, reading your Bible, and staying still. It's also being obedient to what the Bible commands. Like some of us, we're great at here. We're not so good out there, right? Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love me some Jesus. Who doesn't love Jesus, right? Okay, Satanists, right? I understand that. But, but for the most part, you ask people, hey, you love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Yeah, who doesn't? Great guy. <laughs> Everybody loves Jesus. You love God? Oh, I love God. You love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Heck yeah, right? Some of you may even cuss when you say it, right? Like you're like... Yeah, sure do, right? And 1 John 5, 3 says this, for the true love of God is this. If you really love God, this is what it looks like, that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. This word precepts means this, a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. Let that sink in. And his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. First, um, excuse me, John 14, 15, Jesus says this, if you love me, then obey my commandments. If you love me, one translation says this, then do what I said. It's not hard, right? If you lo- it's not just about sitting in my presence. It's not just about getting in the word. It's not just about listening to worship music. It's not just about attending church. It's about if you love me, then your actions are going to match up to what you're declaring. That, that, that growing, and it doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. Hear me. Woo, thank God. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to blow it. You're going to still say things you shouldn't do, still do things that you don't do, shouldn't do. But you are trying to get better and become a growing person that is a changing person. If you love me, Jesus says, then you will do what I command. And we want to compartmentalize our actions from our declaration. But you can't divorce your faith, your, your actions from your faith. James said this, James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Right? You can't just say it. you got, you got to live this out. I love what R.C. Sproul said. He said, in the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of action. That's really, really good. He's not calling you to feel your way there, to changing the way that you live and move. In him we live and move and have our being. He's calling you to obey your way there. Because if you love me, you'll obey, you'll do what I told you to do. Right? Third thing is this. If we're going to have greater impacts in our relationships, if we're going to have greater influence, man, if we're going to have just greater, just, if we're going to have greater marriages and homes, hear me. Third point, the more I love Jesus, the better I should get at loving others. The more I love Jesus, then the better I should get at loving others. John 13 Verse 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus said. Love each other. And and not just the way you want to love them, 
But Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Man, we got some work to do. And the more I love Jesus, the better I should be at that. The more you love Jesus, the better you should be at that. And Jesus is saying this, the, what, the, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my followers, that you are my disciples. He's saying this, it's your trademark to the world. It's what identifies you to the world as mine. And you guys know trademarks. We see trademarks all the time. You identify things by logos and symbols all the time. In fact, we're going to throw up a few logos for you right now. And when you see them, shout them out. What is that? Apple. Apple. What is this? Da-da-da-da-da, right? I could have just hummed that. What's this? Pepsi, right? What's this? Under, yeah, I almost said it for you, right? So, you guys know this, and why do you know this? Because you know the symbol. You see the logo, and you know what the brand is. And Jesus is saying this, that if you are a follower of Christ, that the way the world and the way the other people are going to know that you are his and you are a follower of his, it's not that you have a big Bible or that you even read your Bible, right? No, 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 no. It's not that you have a foundation shirt shirt that says, make Jesus famous, right? If you need this, come see me afterwards. I'll give it to you for free. Um, but you just say, no, no, it's a great thing, right? It's not that you attend church. It's not that you've seen every show and every episode of The Chosen. It's not that, you know, that you go to launch on Sundays at a certain time, or you go to a men's event or a women's event, or you're involved in connect groups. All those are great things. All those are good things, but Jesus is saying this, the trademark of you being a follower of him is you loving one another. It's loving one another. And he even turns up the heat, because maybe we can do that here. But he says this, now go and love your enemies. <laughs> right? And he's saying this to Jews who have been invaded by the Romans that don't like the Samaritans, don't like the Romans, and don't like the Gentiles. We just like people that look like us, believe like us, and sing like us. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So here's what, so here's what the scripture is saying today. For all of you conservatives, you are called to love that liberal snowflake <laughs> that stands and votes against everything you stand for. Don't worry, snowflakes, I'm coming for them too, okay? It means liberal snowflakes. See, I went to my left side. Um, <laughs> it means that you're called to love the crazy Trump train people who live in a compound, right? Hopefully I offended both sides equally and I'm doing my job right. Jesus would say this, your politics shouldn't be greater than your Savior. Your politics shouldn't divide you more than what you are worshiping together, right? And how you vote doesn't identify who you belong to. 
right? How you worship and how you love one another is how you identify who you belong to and who's the master of your life. And we are called to not just love people who look like us, but people that don't look like us, that don't believe like us. Because hear me, everybody is welcome to come through this door. And we are going to love them and let God change them, right? That is our job as a church. And I will boldly declare the truth of God week in and week out. We're not going to water down the gospel or neuter the gospel so that lives can't be changed. The gospel's got to be present so life change can be present. But man, we got to love people as they are and let God do the changing and let God do the filling in their lives. There's got to be balance. And Jesus said this, if you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, then do what I said. Keep my commandments. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3 says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let this sink in. If you could speak every language on this earth, and you could even talk to angels, and if you think you can, I don't want to talk to you, um, but if, if you had that ability, but you didn't love other people, Paul's saying this, the Bible's saying this, you're just a bunch of noise. You're just a bunch of loud noise that doesn't make sense and doesn't mean anything. It says this, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So many people, pastor, take us deeper. Pastor, take us deeper. I want to understand just the way. And that's a good thing. If you could explain all the mysteries and you could explain dinosaurs and you could explain all the, all the weird questions that everybody, well, what's this verse mean? And you can just pull truths and strengths and all these things out of here and you had that ability and that knowledge. If you had the gift of prophecy and you could tell people what's going on and where they're at and what's wrong in their life, if you could do miracles and you could move mountains. But Paul says this, but you didn't love people. It doesn't matter your knowledge of the word if you're not applying the word. He says you're nothing. It means nothing without loving others. That we've missed the mark. We've missed the main thing that God has called us to do. And that is to love him and to love others. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If you loved me. Do what I command. So let me ask this, and I'm going to leave you with this question. Not, not do you love people, right? But are you loving people? There's a difference. Not, not do you love your spouse. Not do you love your kids. Not do you, let me pick on the older kids for a little bit. Not do you love your aging parent. But are you loving them? Well, I've showed them how to use an iPhone 10 times, and they still don't learn, and I don't have any more patience. Okay, okay, hey, hey, hey. They wiped your butt. The only reason I'm preaching this is I'm getting there faster than I thought, right? Um, do you, are you 
loving them. There's a difference. A few years ago, I went to Olive Garden. I'll close with this. Went to Olive Garden. And, and why do you go to Olive Garden? Breadsticks and what else? Salad. If you said pasta, get out of here. Um, but I'm just playing. Uh, salad and breadsticks, best thing at Olive Garden, right? I mean, like you go there, you're like, yeah, hit me. I mean, they sell this, the dressing at Sam's. You know it's good, right? And so um, I go in, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and I forget who's with me, but I am, I am, I am going to destroy some breadsticks and salad. Um, I don't care what else is happening. I don't, maybe, I don't care. And I sit down, and the waitress comes up, and she goes, hello, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for coming into the Olive Garden. I'm like, yes. And she's like, uh, what would you have to drink? I was like, hey, I have, you know, water with lemon. And, um, hey, I'm not sure what I'm going to order, but I, I knew I was going to get something small. I was like, can I get a head start on the salad and breadsticks, right? Like, I'm just like, let's, let's. And she stops, and she goes, sir, I, I'm sorry to tell you this, but our truck that had all our supplies to do the breadsticks and have the salad didn't make it, and it's not going to be here. And we're completely out of salad and breadsticks. It's like Kentucky Fried Chicken running out of fried chicken. That's happened. That's happened to me. That's like Brahms running out of vanilla ice cream. That's happened to me. Anybody else? Come on. Can I get a witness? Right? Come on. And I'm like, you, you like, I, I'm like, okay, you're a pastor. You're a pastor. And she goes, would you like to continue to order? And I go, no. You know, I did not come here for the tour of Italy. I came here for salad and breadsticks. You know, I don't care what lasagna or something you're going to heat up. I wanted salad, and I left, and I didn't go back for several years, right, until one of my staff members convinced, convinced me to go. The one on county line is pretty legit. I'm just going to tell you we went a few months ago. It's pretty legit. Anyways, the reason I'm telling you this I never went back. Why? Because they didn't have what they were known for. And can I tell you, if we're not careful, people can come to church and they will not experience God's love and they will not experience people loving them because we're going to miss what the salad and breadsticks of Christianity and following Jesus is all about. What we have to be about is loving God and loving people. And if we're not careful, we will blow an opportunity to see lives change because we're not doing what he commanded us to do. And they won't be back for years and years and years. And when they come in, they're going to come in like this. Right. Uh, I've been at that church. I know about those people. Man, this, is the, this isn't just something we're called to do. This is the greatest thing we're called to do. Amen. So let's do what he commands. I end with this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is the love. Let's pray today. Jesus, we come before you today. And God, I just, I, I, I pause for just a moment. And I say, forgive me. And forgive all of us Marthas that are in this place and watching online that we've gotten really busy at doing. And Lord, it, it, there's no bad intentions. Lord, we had the best intentions, but we missed the mark.
And Lord, somewhere in the fray, we lost sight of what was most important. That's loving you. That's following you. Why do we love you? Because you first loved us is what your word says. Just following you because you loved us. You called us. You know us. Lord, it's not so that we can get more things. It's not for your hands. It's not for your miracles. It's not so that you'll feed us. It's not, Lord, it's just so that we can be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would take us back to a place. For some of us that we've been doing this a while, the danger is we get really professional in our relationship with you instead of personal at it. And that God, you would take us back to a place where we just fall madly and passionately in love with you. Because what happens when we first meet you, we're all passionate about you. And then we get busy doing and we get busy doing and we get busy doing and we somewhere fall out of love. That passion dies down. And Lord, somewhere along the line, we stopped being. And our actions stopped matching what we were declaring. And so Lord, I pray today For all those Marthas that are here that, man, we've been doing and doing and doing and we're losing sight that we would realize, like you said to Martha, there's a better way for you to live and that we would learn to be. Because, Lord, when we start just learning to be in your presence, it changes our actions. It changes our habits. It changes our schedule. And I pray, Lord, that as a church, we would get better, not just at loving you, but the better we get at loving Jesus, the better we should get at loving others. That we would be better at loving other people that are like us and nothing like us. That have the same skin color of us and those that have different skin color than us, those that have the same earning potential as us, those that have more earning potential than us, those that have less earning potential than us, those whose kids we like and those whose kids we can't stand. Lord, I pray that we would do great at loving others. Lord, this is the essence. This is the first and second greatest commandment that is in your word. So, Lord, I pray that we as a body of believers, we as a church, we would get really good at this so that we can experience greater things in our relationships, so that we can experience a greater impact in the culture we find ourselves in, so that we can find ourselves leaving a greater legacy for our family, so that we can find ourselves having a greater marriage. Lord, help us to do what you've commanded us to do, because if we love you, then we will do what you commanded. Lord, I pray move and work in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray with you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.